0: Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one size fits all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real, lasting, positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. All right, welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. I am so excited for our guest today. I have been working personally with Sandra for the last I want to say four years. Think that's accurate.
1: Yep.
0: And whoa, we've gone through so much together. So really honored to be talking with this brilliant woman. And let me introduce this powerhouse. Are you ready? Sandra mm-hmm. Booker is an online business manager and growth strategist specializing in helping overworked, overwhelmed, multi-hatted entrepreneurs become the CEOs of sustainable, scalable, and profitable businesses. Sandra's received accolades in her community like the 40 Under 40 Award, and her clients include familiar names like Shanti Zach, Tarzan <laughs> Kay, and Laura Belgray. In her efficiently used spare time, she teaches others how to build and grow their own six-figure virtual assistant practices and is on a mission to create a million jobs by helping her clients and students scale their businesses. Sandra, thank you so much for being here today with us and for being with me for the last four years.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. It's been a great four years, and I'm looking forward to the combo.
2: Yeah. I just want to like jump in and say that I love your mission to create a million jobs because that's really beautiful. And especially like right now in the midst of this, like great resignation, it's amazing that people can like find you and learn how to, yeah, like, I guess there's just so many different things that virtual assistants can do. So I think that's really awesome that you're out there actually helping them figure out like, oh, this is, I mean, I don't know, but I'm imagining like, this is what you're good at. And here are all the people who need that sort of help. So really cool. Yeah. I'd never heard that before.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about about the mission. I'm, it's it's a hard one to track because <laughs> it's through a few few areas, but it's been nice just helping people like build their businesses and get to a point where they need to hire like employees and you know help other people start new businesses and get them built up. So it's been it's been a real honor and privilege to be able to be a part of that.
2: Mm. Love it.
0: Yeah, something I keep thinking about is the ripple effect that is often unseen in the work that you do, that we do, that so many online service providers do and how many people that truly touches. It's kind of a fun meditation actually, to just sit with it and try and let your imagination run wild. Like, okay, I helped this person and I know that they helped these thousands of people and those thousand people all have families and friends that they've helped. In their lives. And like when you really think about it, it's quite a strong example of the interconnection of all things and all people.
1: Yeah, exactly true. Exactly true. And I think sometimes, you know, when when you lose sight of that and you start feeling like you're, you know, working in a bubble, you know, or sometimes you're just in a silo and you feel like you're just like hearing the same three things over and over again it's good to remember like how many, how many people's lives you are touching by just, Mm. you know, doing the thing you like to do.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I imagine a driving force of the great resignation is that feeling that, am I making anyone's life better? Is this making my life better? This career, this job, like, and if not, what's the point?
1: Mm. Yes. Yes. 100%. And I think we're going to see like, businesses having to be a little bit more transparent and a little bit more human in mm. in their practices, rather than just saying like, we have this amazing mission and we love everybody, but then treating their, you know, employees like crap or keeping them in the dark or, you know, so many big businesses are kind of run on fear. They're afraid to say something that is going to have their employees like, you know, freak out and leave and, Keeping people in the dark is always bad for me, like in my way of thinking, because I I remember working at, you know, larger corporations where it's like you had no idea what was happening. You felt like you had no control over anything that you were doing for eight hours a day. And that's a large portion of your life to not have Mm. control over.
2: Totally. I would love to hear about that, about sort of what brought you into this world where you are doing this, like online business management and helping VAs find jobs. I'd love to hear a bit about that if you could share, because I've known you for a couple of years too, but I have no idea.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. I um, It was actually funny because I got into the whole thing by accident, you know, in my pre-online business life I was you know helping i was still helping businesses you know scale and build but my daughter came home from school one day and wanted to wanted to go to on a trip to Iceland and at the time we didn't have the you know the extra funds to send her I wasn't sure where that was going to come from so even though I was like helping other businesses you know scale I was still just an employee and I didn't you know but uh, yeah, so she came home, wanted to go to, to go to Iceland and she's super introverted. And the fact that she even wanted to go outside, I was like, <laughs> really, I have to make this happen. <laughs> um, so I started offering some services on, you know, one of them job boards and mm-hmm. it kind of took off. And within a year I was repl- I had replaced my salary. No problem. Started getting repeat clients and kind of gradually from there went, OK, well, right now I'm doing VA work but that's not what I'm really doing. Even when I was doing virtual assistant work and, you know, Shanti can attest to it was like my whole shtick, the whole thing that I was trying to do was help build the business so that they could replace me with the full-time employee. Like I, Mm -hmm. that was always my mission in every client with every client that I, I work with. And then I eventually, a couple of years ago, moved into the business
2: management realm and uh, yeah, haven't looked
1: back. It's been it's been amazing. Hmm.
2: That's so beautiful. It just kind of speaks to what Shanti was talking about at the beginning and all the lives that you touch and like that it really is about humans. And it's like, yeah, my daughter wanted to go on a trip. So to fund that trip, I ended up starting my own business and within a year was able to like have myself be fully employed and not have to be an employee anymore. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And you have had an interesting journey because it's, yeah, what started as VA work and I use quotations because it's always been, yeah, a different thing than that. Has now turned into something entirely different. So, can you walk us through that journey of going from doing the virtual assistant stuff to OBM stuff and the differences between those things? And we're going to, I'm excited to talk to you about scaling because you're very masterful at this and there is a lot of confusion around. Hmm. What scaling actually is and what it really looks like. So we'll dig into that too, but I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there's quite a difference between virtual assistant work and um, business management work. You know, a virtual assistant is typically there in your day to day doing the tasks, they're taking things off your plate, they're the ones that are scheduling your meetings, controlling your calendar you know, loading your blogs and doing all, doing all of those actual things. You do get some OBMs that kind of straddle the two things. And I'll talk about them in a second, but on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you know, online business managers, and they're kind of grouped into this big virtual assistant industry that really, that's what it is now. It's not virtual assistant, really that term, applies to so many different actual roles that it's really more of an industry now. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have the online business manager who falls into that industry. And they are the people that they're dealing with your top level, high level stuff. So they're not in the day to day doing the work. They're not loading blogs and all of that stuff. What they're doing is managing your team and managing your projects, making sure things are moving. They're making sure that you're on a set meeting schedule to make sure that everybody's always aligned. They're, they're you know, being a liaison between you and your, your business and your subcontractors, your business and your employees. And they really help you build that, your business culture so that you can bring new team members on and have everything, you know, kind of like flow in, in, in harmony and work together. But yeah, they're the big, you know, big top level business management piece. But then you do get those those people in the online space it's very common that people will call themselves OBMs. Um, and I did this for a time where I was kind of straddling two roles where I had started as a VA, but I was really doing more OBM work, but my day-to-day was kind of both. So those people eventually they end up picking one or the other because you can't keep you know as a business owner, you know it's impossible like as you grow to keep Doing all the day-to-day stuff and getting them all, that all done and keeping your eye on the, the top level um, of the business. So those people do eventually move to one side or the other, but there, there are a lot of people that straddle the, the fence right now.
2: Cool. Yeah. I remember like a year ago, someone was like, oh, I need an OBM. And I like, I had been doing this for a while, like been in this online world. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I've never heard of that before. Um, And then I was like, oh, we have one. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny
1: because yeah, a few years ago. So like, even when I started the term virtual assistant still wasn't very popular online and it wasn't until I think my second year was one of the big podcast people, big business uh, training people mentioned, oh, you need a virtual assistant. If you don't have a virtual assistant, you need to get a virtual assistant. From that moment on, virtual assistant was like a really big thing. Um, Before that, anybody that was looking for a virtual assistant was looking for just somebody to take off, you know, take repetitive tasks. And they would always like go to an agency, you know, somewhere overseas or something like that. But when that person mentioned virtual assistance, it kind of skyrocketed from there. And then later on down the road, a couple of years later, another big business trainer, podcaster person mentioned the integrator role. And then now that's taken off. So mm. yeah, lots of people say, oh, I need a VA when they don't actually need a VA. Some people say, I need a OVM and they don't actually need that. And then lots of people say they need an integrator and they don't even know what it is. So it's uh, <laughs> it's really... It's really funny. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting wild, wild west out there with, with <laughs> yeah, roles.
0: No kidding. Okay. So how do you know for all the business owners listening? How do you know if you do need an OBM?
1: Oh, so typically you're not going to need a, an OBM until you have things to manage. So even if you're a solopreneur, but you have a ton of Projects that like you take on, you know, at a time, then you might get a you might just hire a project manager to handle those things. That's a good way to go. But if that is if managing all the projects is overwhelming, but also you deal with some subcontractors and things like that, it's probably a good idea to look for an OVM. And really, like you want to try and the way everybody does it is they wait until they're really overwhelmed, they don't know what to do, and then they're like panicking I need help and then they hire the first person that says they can help them but what you really want to do is just like keep track of your time and like you know I like to do time time studies like of my time every few months and it's just for two weeks I just track what I'm doing and seeing like how much I'm working like what my workload is that is like so that you can see where where you're starting to get tight before it maybe happens If most people don't pay attention to their workload, they just go, oh yeah, I I think I can take that on. And then they take on the new project and then realize that that was a huge mistake and now they're going to be late. and (laughs) They have to make excuses. And if you just start, like, I use a project management tool and in my project management tool, every single task I do is in there. And every time I go to start a new task, I hit the timer. And when I end the task, I stop the timer. So I can see exactly where my, time is going every day and I can see where I have the actual, you know, space for space available for more projects or where it's starting to get tight. So track your time, look at it, you know, look at the reports and see where things are starting to get tight. And then also like, if you can afford one and you start seeing things are getting a bit tight, then definitely hire one before you need one or before you feel you need one.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And would you say, Most of the time you already have a VA if you're going to be looking for that OBM role to be filled.
1: Yeah. I'd say usually you have, you have a VA working for usually like, you know, they're probably doing at least 20 to 40 hours a month or more for you, you know, or you have even a couple of people on your team, a few subcontractors that you work with on a basis. So yeah, that's usually when it is, it's like when you have a little team to kind of manage is a good time to to get an OVM.
0: Yeah. You've helped me so much with the team stuff and going from just me to you. And I don't even remember who the first VA was that was working under you now. Is it Grace?
1: Yeah. Grace. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, and then from that to a team of now three full-time employees, and mm-hmm. contractors and you and Laura and my mind just <laughs> when I think about that journey and how terrified I was of building a team and how many times yep. you t- talked me off the ledge and when you say that like usually people wait until they're super overwhelmed to do anything <laughs> like Oh, I don't
1: know anything about that. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's so so common. I honestly, I don't really think anybody hires anybody until they're overwhelmed. People are really, I feel like I my my words fall on deaf ears sometimes. I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because speaking of how you've always had the intention of replacing yourself, or when you were a VA, like replacing yourself with a full time person, and I guess it was probably six months, maybe more than six months ago now, because it was before Ashley was born. So it was almost mm-hmm. a year ago now. You were like, No, I think you're ready for a full-time executive assistant. And I was like, Sandra, what are they <laughs> no. gonna do? They're gonna be like so bored. And I don't have enough work for them. And you're like, Oh, you're gonna surprise yourself, you'll see. And you were a hundred percent right, like Dustin yep. has more than enough. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think it's really important that you have people in your business who encourage you to grow in that way, even when you think you're not ready. Because we've got blind spots.
1: Yes, 100%. It's it's easy to have blind spots. And it's also, it's easy to, you know, just deal with what is. And um a lot of people, you know, the whole thing like if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And some people feel like, well, it's working, so it's not broke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If it's not working well, you should fix it. You know, it doesn't have to be like completely broken. If you're if your toaster burnt every single thing you put in the toaster, no matter what the setting, you'd replace it because it's technically broken. You still get toast out of it. But it's not what you want, you know, so replace it, replace it. Yeah, so don't wait until it all crumbles. Keep keep the machine well oiled.
0: Yeah. And to that point, when you are scaling, and maybe we should define that, yeah, write it down a bit. but when you're scaling, I think it's easy for things to break. Mm. or it's easier to see like where the cracks in that foundation exist. And then there's no more ignoring them. It's not possible. So, but first, can you walk us through your definition of what it means to scale a business?
1: Yeah. So for me, what it means to scale a business is really making sure that you've set things up. You have a strong foundation so that you can grow without having to get stuck by hurdles or increase your costs dramatically so if if you're growing your business then as new things come in you have to put out expense to deal with those new things and so your profit margin isn't really moving that much but when you're scaling your business you have the systems in place you have the foundation in place to so that the expenses that you incur if any are much smaller so your profit margin actually grows if your profit margin isn't isn't growing then you're not really scaling your business. Right. A lot of people think scaling is just adding people to the team. So that's that's not what that is.
0: That's not the case. So we're talking profit margins and that's what we want to look at when it comes to scaling. If that's growing then you're scaling. And yeah, measuring that is can be tricky. Yeah.
1: Especially if you're yourself.
0: if especially if you're trying to do it yourself. And there are different ways of scaling. And I know you work with Laura Belgrade, Tarzan. And how would you define the different ways you've seen your different clients scale their businesses?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's all about like really everybody that's scaled, even though they do it in a different way, it's basically the same premise. So it's, they still have processes and procedures in place that I get followed. They have the the tech that they need that's set up. There's like automations and streamlining happening so that you're not reinventing the wheel every, every time. And you have usually people in, you know, underneath you helping you make it happen. So once you have those things in place, then scaling just becomes, you know, getting your Typically, getting your offers out to the right people and being able to take on, you know, as much as you can. But you can also scale. You can scale things out as well. So you can diversify your business. You can like, there's a, you know, other things you can do. You can take on other arms of of your business and kind of like increase your increase your your business that way. I'm just thinking one of the ways, like seeing Joanna weave when, so she had copy hackers built that up and then they invested in uh, AirStory. So like that's one way to start like increasing your, your business, your overall business, even though it's not necessarily in the same vertical. So there's all sorts of ways to like scale and grow your profit margin. But the big thing is you're not going to be able to do that until you have that foundation in place.
2: Mm. Now... This talk about profit margin reminded me of that meeting we had this summer. So before we brought on our our EA, we were looking at like goals and I just was thinking about like profit and we always think about like money when we're talking about profit. But I remember in that meeting you were like, Shanti, what about if we just try and make the same amount of money, but you get to work less this year? And that seems like an interesting like way to have margin, if that makes sense, and to have like more of like a space spaciousness. Yeah. So you just, you just kind of like jogged my memory of that. And I just think it's something to maybe speak about because like, I don't know if we have more clients this year than last year, I will have to like go back and count and see like (laughs) how, how that, like how that actually turned out. Cause this is like my second, second, like year full time, but it does feel like, even though uh, we are quite busy, there is a bit more spaciousness now. And a big part of that is the fact that there are systems or like we finally have like a task management tool that we enjoy using that's working for us. And like without those things, like we use Notion, our uh, executive assistant, Dustin, is like a master. And I was just like doing my like Friday evening, like before Monday, look through to make sure like my Monday, I knew what was happening. And I was like, whoa, we have extra projects starting that like if our task management system hadn't been so and then. So then we like, you know, brought in someone that we'd worked with before that we really love working with and it's perfect right and if we didn't have that system set up then we would have been like more like last minute bringing in the help that we needed instead of like being like wow we have time to kind of sort this out almost right so yeah yeah yeah, I guess that's two different things but I really think it's like the systems like mean that like Shanti gets to work and she knows what she has to work on. She doesn't have to like go through everything and then try and figure out what priorities are. They're like already in red (laughs) in a nice way on her, on her notion board or what have you. And I just, yeah, I just, want to connect the idea of profit to be more than just like financial, but also looking at like just the type of life that you want to lead and bringing on a team that, of course, you can actually afford financially, but that also like creates this margin in a different way. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it because people do when they talk about profit margin. And obviously when we do talk about profit margin, it is about money. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Especially if you're incorporated, you basically have a fiscal responsibility to bring in a profit for your business. So we do want to keep track of that number. So many, you know, so many people only ever look at revenue and they never look at their profit. And I've known people who have made millions and spent even more. So looking at your profit margin is very critical to the, you know, the financial success of your business. But if you get burnt out and you're the main driver of your business, you're not going to be able to drive that profit. So you do have to look at those things. So yeah, I remember the meeting well, (laughs) because it's, you know, just like, Hey, like what if like you made really good numbers? It was like a good year. What if, but you like, you were, you know, tired or like whatever, yeah. had a new babies. <laughs> like there's things going on. Maybe let's, let's pause because uh, you know, you're the main person right now. If you get burnt out, it's not, it's not going to work. So it's sometimes being fiscally responsible to your business is making sure that you are taken care of so that you can continue to work in your business. And nowadays, you know, you get the hustle, hustle culture, people just like, 10 extra profit, 10 extra profit. And it's like, you know, they might be working only four hours a week, but the people they've hired are working, you know, 60 hours a week to make all of their, you know, big goals happen. And that's not sustainable or scalable either. So I mentioned before that, like, you can't really scale without the foundation and it's true, but you can get to a million dollars without the foundation but shit's going to start breaking (laughs) stuff's going to start happening and people are going to start coming forward saying, actually this person treats me like crap and I hate them and I'm not working for them anymore. Mm. Um, you know, that stuff happens because people are just chasing the almighty dollar and then things fall apart. You really need to, to have those foundations in place. If you want your business to be sustainably scalable.
0: Right. Yeah, good points. And to me, there's two parts of that. So there's systems and processes, but then there's culture. And I would love to hear you talk about the culture piece, because I feel like you've gone deep on that in the last (laughs) one to two years and have thoughts. So, (laughs) Sandra, what... Like, I, I feel like the term culture, just like the term scale, is mm. confusing to a lot of people as well, because you're like, culture, what does that mean? Do we have, like, cocktail Drink hours my, on Fridays? Yeah. <laughs> Drink
1: um, a tea with my pinky
0: out. <laughs> yeah, do, like, do I only hire people that I would want to be friends with? What, what does that mean? And how do you start to develop a culture And then maybe we can jump back to that systems piece too, because for me, the systems have developed through trial and error and experimentation and awareness of like, oh, we just did this thing and it would have gone a lot smoother if we had this in place. Let's do this and make this change next time. And over time, it becomes pretty solid, but it didn't start out that way.
1: Yeah, no, and oh my gosh, okay, yeah, two different things, and the systems (laughs) piece—that's a whole other thing. The, The thing with systems, I'm just gonna touch on that first because the thing with systems is most systems take money. Most systems take knowledge to set up, and everybody is afraid of spending money and not knowing, you know, not knowing how to do something, especially when they're first, like, first trying to really grow and scale their business. They're they're still in this mode of but, you know, I need to understand it all. I'm like, no, you, you don't need to understand it all. <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. You can bring somebody in to do it. You know, like if my oven broke tomorrow, I'm I mean, I could probably look up a YouTube video to try and fix it. I'm not gonna. It's not like that's not my realm of expertise. That's not where I should be spending my time. And then the other thing is fear. So people like have so much fear about spending, like, oh my gosh, I'm spending like $400 a month on software. This is ridiculous. But you have to think about how much time it's taking, like it's saving you from having to do things manually or having to find workarounds or jumble things together. I was just speaking with somebody who's they've spent the last two days trying to force their system to do something it does not do. And I'm like, just pay for this tool. It does it. You have it set up in 15 minutes. And it's like, I had this, it's, I want to say like, how much do you charge an hour? How much money did you just lose? You know, how many months of that tool could you have had for that? You know, and it would have all been done and saved you two days of frustration. So you got to really pull yourself back and pull yourself out of it and deal with your feelings because yeah, the fear will, will really keep people back. And the same thing is with building a culture, the people, when you're building a culture in your business, it's just about making sure that the people that you hire jive with, you know, what you stand for and what your values are so that, you know, like if they do have any interaction with other, with any of your clients or anything like that, your clients are going to feel like have that same feeling from them. You know, you don't have to agree with everything somebody says. You don't have to agree with every position. What you have and you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to wanna be best friends. You don't have to be able to picture going out for a coffee with them. This is this isn't about finding friends. It's about finding great people to help you build your business. And I think that for me, the key um, factor in building a team culture is just kindness and respect. You know, I don't have to agree with everything you say. I don't have to appreciate all of your jokes. I just have to treat you with kindness and respect and you know, love you as a human being. and that's that's really the basis of company culture for me. And then from there, you know you you know you get your mission statement, your values, and you actually like implement that into your business and make sure that everybody is aligned around the vision that you have. But it really starts with, that kindness and respect piece for me.
0: Yeah, and that simplifies it hugely. Like it's not something that's going to be figured out before you get started. Yeah, it's it's building itself. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen that with our team so much. Just and even as we've grown, the culture becomes richer and deeper and more aligned with, yeah, these and my, to be totally honest, like company values and mission statement, like it's a bit of a mess. We're not following the, the process that Sandra is going to <laughs> teach us to imperfect tea. but despite that imperfection, it's still there, even mm. if sometimes it's unspoken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like really getting clear on on your values and aligning those to me is the first the first step.
2: Well, I love I love that. And I also like No, you said like systems like cost money. And I guess like considering like you pay people for their time, this costs money. But something that we implemented because Sandra told us to was like daily meetings uh, this year and the culture in our business has gotten so much better that one of our gals who's down to like part time right now because she's a, a poet goddess, as you put it, and got a big grant from the government but still works for us a little bit. I had a meeting with her yesterday and she was like, oh, I miss the team meetings. Like I miss, I miss meeting with you guys every day. And one of the problems that we had before was like, not like in the culture was like, we all got along, but we didn't connect regularly. And our like mission is connection. Like really our values are connection. Right. Mm -hmm. So implementing that system where like, sometimes we might like talk about things outside of work. And it's something that Chantelle and I speak about because it's kind of funny, like when you work from home and you're online, you just like think that like your workday is supposed to be like that cat gif where it's like typing like crazy. And like, if you're not doing that, you're not like doing the work, but just hearing from this amazing gal that like, actually I miss our daily meetings and like the culture of connection that that thing created. Um, yeah. It just felt really special actually. And it's like, that's a simple system, right? Like connect every yeah. day, the whole team.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's funny how many people are adverse to it and, you know, I, and I get it because most team meetings are just a mess. They're <laughs> there. Nobody knows why they're there. Mm. random people start talking you have no idea when they're going to (laughs) stop and half the time you're just like why am I here this has nothing to do with me but the type of meetings that you guys have the type of meetings that you know I was actually taught by Alex Sharfin to to have I'll give you know props where it's due like I thought it was a fantastic idea from him are very structured very you know quick check-ins but they're enough that everybody gets to actually get to know each other a bit more and get to appreciate each other a bit more and really does build that culture, um, for, for the company. And going back to, you know, Shanti's point about it kind of like grow, culture grows. Like I love that kind of that message that, yeah, you don't, I'm going to probably steal that. Cause yeah, I always talk about building culture, but you don't really build it. Mm. You set a foundation for it and then it grows on that foundation. So
0: yeah. And just trusting that it'll come together and it's yeah. not going to be perfect. I think that's often where the breakdown, the communication breakdown really comes in when you're a newer entrepreneur and you're, you're hearing all these ideas of you need to set yourself up to scale and you need to build a team and a build a culture. And these concepts are so new and so intangible that mm-hmm. it's overwhelming and a little frightening. I felt very intimidated by those ideas not even that long ago. And the idea of daily meetings, I definitely was one of those people who was like, no yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Like we all get this chance to connect and there's a reason why people work in office settings. Even if we're transitioning out of that, there's a reason for it. There's a reason why people congregate around the water cooler and just touch base, and that's hard to emulate in the virtual world. But if we've got some some purpose behind it, it's a lot easier.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it really is like what I love about the them is like. I mean, they're not all going to be amazing, That like some days you don't really want to be there, even if it is only going to take 10 minutes, but you know, it's still, you get that little connection. You get to see everybody, you know, you can see when somebody is feeling really happy about something and you can be like, Hey, what's going on? Tell me about that. And you can also see when somebody's struggling and you can help them, you know, through a moment, whether it's personal or business or whatever, you can say, Hey, you know, and you don't have to call it out on the meeting, but like, you know, after the meeting, you know I'll reach out to people and just say, oh, hey, like everything okay. You seemed a little down today. You know, just check it in. You know, you don't want to necessarily call that out on the on the meeting, but it gives you if you didn't meet, you would never have known.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like culture, like even though they're like the definition is like like a set of norms that people have, like when they work together or when they are culture is really just human beings coming together and connecting. And I think, especially in the online world, it is something that like we have to build and grows. And I think that uh, without it, yeah, I think people would be a lot less happy and and just workplace feels toxic. So, yeah. So thanks for that. Thanks for giving us those daily meetings. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. And the other thing culture needs in order
1: to grow is like an idea, you know, like, something that everybody rallies around. So everybody does have to be on the same page as to the mission of the business. Like, why are we all here? And they need to understand it and know it and, you know, feel a part of it and that they have some control over parts of it. And that's really how you grow that strong connection with your, with your team, that strong culture.
0: All right. So I'm wondering, Sandra, if you, if we can break that idea of scaling down a little bit more, if we can look at like what kind of infrastructure Needs to be in place. We've talked about systems, but I'm curious if we could touch on uh, mindset and support and
1: even your offers. Oh, yeah. So that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, mindset is a big thing. So, like a lot of people put, I would say, probably too much emphasis on on mindset. Like often, you know, any problem somebody faces in a business, somebody will say, "Oh, it's just a mindset thing." And that's not always true, but mindset is a a big part of business. And you do have to like, think about, about the mindset that you have when you're going into any conversations, when you're making any business decisions and and things like that. Really, you know, I'm a big believer and something I teach in scale society is, you know, personal growth as a catalyst for business growth. And I think often, often people aren't super self-aware and that can really hold them back in their business if you're a micromanager I've met many micromanagers who didn't realize they were micromanagers they thought that they were like oh yeah I'm totally easy you can like I'm just I'll just assign the task and woohoo it's all good and then they'll be like oh why are you doing it that way oh how much time does that take you don't you think you should have done it this way well what about this and it's like okay you're do you know that you're a micromanager and they're like no I'm not I don't microman. (laughs) yeah you do So, and it holds them back because in, you know, if they don't know that this is a trait they have, they can't do anything to either harness it for good, you know, for the power of good or find ways around it or find ways to make it, you know, to not do it or to, you know, get past it. So that's why I think like in order to really scale your business, you have to know yourself. You have to know your strengths, your weaknesses, your tendencies, all of that great stuff, you have to be willing to pull back the curtain and look at all the ugly sides and um, be okay with them. And then find ways to, like I said, harness them for, for the good of your business or find ways to deal with them so that they don't become roadblocks to you. Mm.
2: I love that. All about it. Yeah. Fits really well with our like empathy marketing ecosystem uh and one of the questions i wanted to ask that we don't even need to now because it's like what does the sun have to do with scaling like what does that the entrepreneur that business person and their personality and what they're good at and like and then yeah i guess one question i have is like okay so you you do this work you do this reflection and you're like okay I'm like, let's like, like Shanti, I'm really good at copywriting. I'm like brilliant at positioning, but I don't know, Shanti, what's like a shadow that you have to like work through? And I don't, I don't want to name it.
0: Pretty (laughs) much, pretty much everything Sandra's good at. (laughs) I love it. I'm like not good at.
2: Mm, Okay. Yeah. Systems,
0: organization, like logic to a degree. All of that, I feel not super talented
2: at. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we do want to grow as people and like, sure, get better at logic or systems or something. But I think it's probably easier to like harness what you're really excellent at and use that as a driving force for growth for your business. Right. And is I don't know, is that how you like start to figure out what who you need to bring in on a team or I don't know if if you have something something there? to, to offer in relation to that, Sandra? Yeah. So I'd say that you
1: definitely don't want to only look at the things that you're good at in regards to this whole personal growth as a, you know, catalyst for business growth. If you're not looking at the things and it's not even about being good at something, being not good at something, it's about like your tendencies, you know, when you see a calendar full of appointments, do you want to run and hide or do you get excited? Like, what, what is, are your responses? If you do, did your DISC profile or your Enneagram or your human design, when you read through it, what were the things that you were like, oh, yeah, that's totally me. Oh, my gosh, that's so great. I'm awesome. And what were the things that were like, that's not me? Because I can tell you that neither of those things are true. That first really positive one that you're looking at and going, yeah, that's totally me. That's probably some you. Mm-hmm. It might even be really you. But that emotional reaction you're having to it, that's, that's a whole thing. You have to explore that. Why, why are you having Mm. that emotional reaction? But especially when you're like, that's not me, this is a stupid test. It has, it doesn't know what it's talking about. (laughs) Really, even if it is a stupid test, look at your reaction to that and see like, okay, I'm going to be truthful with myself. Where does that actually show up in my life? Does it show up in my life and really be willing to be honest with myself and I've heard before from people, well, this is just who I am in business. This is just who I am. I'm gonna run my business like this because I wanna be who I am. I'm like, that's great. I hope you succeed. But if you don't address the problems, not even problems, just the things that become roadblocks, those hurdles, if you don't address those, you're not gonna get anywhere far. You're gonna keep stumbling across the same thing. And if you're not honest with yourself, you're going to keep thinking it's somebody else. Oh, my VA didn't work out. They didn't know what the heck was, you know, what to do. My VA didn't work out. They didn't know what the heck heck to do. I hear people saying the same thing. I've gone through five VAs and, you know, I'm just sick of it. Like, maybe you need to start looking at you, what's happening, you know? So, so yeah, that's, to me, I just want to, like, highlight that it's not necessarily just about being good at something, being not good at something, but more to your point, Don, in regards to, in regards to like being good at something and like, what is that, what's your role going to be and what should you delegate to somebody else? That's really going to depend on, you know, like most people, they start a business because they're good at something and they decide they want to do it for the rest of their life. And then they get in and they start doing it for the rest of their life. And they realize there's a bunch of it they don't like. Um, (laughs) So all those things that you don't like, you know, you're going to try and find a way to get that off your plate. All the things that you're not good at, you're going to try and find a way to get those those things off your plate. You're going to work in the revenue generating activities that you really love and that you're really awesome at for the most part. But if down the road you decide, you you know, I don't want to write copy anymore. I want to give that all to somebody else. I just want to be the CEO. I want to be the visionary, the idea person. That's totally fine too. Some people, when they think about scaling, they think they have to become that CEO I don't get to do the thing I love anymore. That's not true either. You can hire somebody to do all that management piece, but you get to choose. Am I going to do the thing that I've been loving to do or am I going to move into this managerial role? But in order to find like the right next person, like which role are you going to fill first? That you need to do a time study for and figure out where all your time is going. And then, you know, you're going to look look at it and say, okay, this is all the stuff I, I need to keep or want to keep. This is all the stuff I want to get rid of and then divide it into, into, into roles.
0: Don, I have a sneaking suspicion we'll probably do a time study. Yeah. Like 2022.
1: Have I mentioned it enough?
0: And my tendency, (laughs) oh my God, my tendency in my emotional response to that is like, no not a time study, but knowing that, of course, that's important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, no,
0: how else do you know? And that's a good example of something that can just bring more awareness, a neutral source of awareness. You can't argue with the way you spend your time.
2: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I remember when I moved from like mostly just writing copy into more project management and people management. I like, I'm, I sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, how did like I, I don't even go on social. Like, I don't even have Facebook anymore. Like, how did this whole day go by? And I don't have like thousands of words of copy written or anything. But then if I if I break it down, because I have like we have like a retainer client that I mark my hours for, and then I just put everything else under organization, but I am still tracking like how much time I'm spending. I think it'd be fun to go more grant granularly, but it is really interesting. Even like, I mean, our quiz docs are like so big, right? So like, how long does it take for me to copy edit one result of one quiz? And like, I, I did not write that. So I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like productivity wise, when my my role shifted. I, ha- I was having a little bit of trouble, like justifying myself and my existence. But meanwhile, my hours were taken up. I was like eating lunch while copy editing, so it's not like I wasn't working. But it's interesting. Well, to we're going to stop that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I don't even mean to. I and I, do, but I do think this is the thing about like office culture versus like work from home culture. Is like when you work in an office, you're like, no, yeah, well, I will take my lunch break. But like when you're Working from home, it's like, what am I just gonna go in the living room and like read a book instead? Like, it's yes. kind of like, <laughs> yeah, <that's exactly laughs> what you're gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah, today I did make lunch, but all I guess I'm saying is that <laughs> I, I do think, I do think it can be really interesting to be like looking at our time and especially like looking at like what is effective and what's not. And also like looking at what your role is and what you should be doing in that role versus like what you might be doing to fill other roles or to hit other needs that maybe still need to happen. But I don't think we right now say need to bring anyone else on, but if I was like, if I was actually just writing mostly copy now, but found that mostly I was like project managing and copy editing, like doing that time study could help us figure out like, oh, looks like we need a project manager and a copy editor or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I will stop. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And the time study is going to, like, when you do it, you're going to see, like, oh, I, I thought I only worked, like, my regular, I thought I only worked eight hours a day. And I actually put in, like, 10 hours of time. And then you might look at, wait, but in an eight-hour day, if you really think about it, you're mm-hmm. you're really only going to be productive for six and a half hours of that eight-hour day. Because you have lunch, you have little breaks, you have, you know, things happen so if you're putting in eight hours of productive time, you're overworked, right? So this doing the time study is going to see like, who's close to that overworked mark. Right. And then just like you said, Don, figuring out, okay, great. So what is, what are the responsibilities they have? Do we need to look at potentially hiring somebody else? And what role would that be?
2: Cool. Cool. Yeah that was going to be one of my questions too like how can you tell when you're overworked and you like need to hire or figure out a system for something like especially for like solopreneurs who like refuse to hire that VA or something like it can be like write the email and then try to get it in in the email marketing software and then tag the people like that work takes a lot of time and it takes a human being to do it even if it's like a repetitive thing it still just takes as much time for like the website to load for you to like add the segments so yeah I guess I guess we kind of answered that like, well, track your time and figure out if you're going overboard or not. But I wonder if you have any other like telltale signs that it's time to like hire maybe. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even if
1: you're not feeling overwhelmed, if you're a business owner and you can afford it, Mm. hire somebody to help you in the areas that you're not great at, that you don't like doing because that's going to, even when you're not feeling overwhelmed, that's going to free you up to so much more in your business, or maybe it frees you up to up to so much more in your personal life. Either way, you're, you know, it's good. So don't wait until you're overwhelmed. And honestly, if you're a business owner, most likely if you've been in business for more than a year, year and a half, you probably need to help with something right now. Like, you know, it's, it doesn't take much to be in that spot, but yeah, definitely doing the time study, seeing how much time you're actually spending it, spending on things. And don't just try it. So many people were like, are like, Oh yeah, I did my time study. I just like, at the end of the day, I just wrote down what right. I, what I remember doing. Like, no, that's not how you do the time study. Because if you just try and remember what you did, even if it's just at the end of the day, anything you really like doing oh, that probably went by really quick. Anything you hated doing, oh, that would take me hours to do. Uh, And then all the stuff that just didn't really matter much to you, you're going to forget that you even did it. So trying to think back is not, you needed to to record it as you go.
2: Yeah. I love that. But I can also see how it would like be frightening, especially like Like, I mean, like maybe two years ago when I did spend more time on social media or Facebook or something like it's like it's like scary to be like, well, I got to hit my toggle and write Facebook or something like that. You're like, oh, and especially when you have to do social media for your job a little bit, it can be really easy to be like, yeah, I'm going to go post this thing. And then it's like a half an hour has gone by or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: My child just walked in and air spelled candy (laughs) like
2: go fine (laughs) all right eight month old obviously yes (laughs) yeah that milk candy bring it
0: (laughs) so Sandra I would love if you could tell us a bit about this wonderful offer you've created that's To me, it's a bridge in between having your own OBM if you're not quite ready for that and having no systems in place, no support in that area whatsoever.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Scale Society is my six-month program that is kind of, you know, part mentorship, part mastermind, part tech help. But really what it is about is getting you those foundations set up. So that you can move forward with confidence, knowing that your business can and will scale with a lot less hurdles. So, you know, it's about making sure that you have uh, a mission, you have a path for your business, you know, where you're going, you know, you have that map. It's about making sure that you know, you know, how to set goals and how to plan so that you can reach those goals on a regular basis, rather than constantly, (laughs) constantly saying, oh, yeah, well, I wanted to launch it next month, but I haven't even started building that program yet or whatever it is, like most business owners are constantly like behind. So it's about making sure that you have a system so that you can feel like you're ahead of the game. And it's also about making sure that you have ways of making decisions in in your business, which a lot of online service providers and uh, small businesses kind of go with their gut. And I'm not saying don't go with your gut, but your gut should only be one factor in the decision making process. And then also like if you have a team or you're looking to build a team, it's about how to hire, when to hire, how to figure out who to hire and then how to build that team and, and, and culture as you go. So really, really. And then obviously, you know, systems and streamlining and delegating and all of that, that fun stuff. So, yeah.
0: Love it. We will pop the link for that below in the show notes. So if you want to learn more, you can check that out. Is there an easy link that you could just? Yes.
1: uh, Just any old taskca slash scale.
2: I actually have a question about that. So who, who is it for? Like what, what type of entrepreneurs or what, who is this for? Who are, who are these people who need this?
1: So the people that need this are anybody that doesn't have those foundations in place yet. There, there are people who, are kind of feeling stuck in their business. They they want to move forward, but they don't. But they they haven't been able to, and they don't know why. They're constantly missing their own deadlines and goals. Typically, they have you know a small team of subcontractors or maybe a VA, uh, but not necessarily. They might be just on the cusp of getting that. But yeah, it's the it's those people that are, they're they're stuck. They and they can't uh, figure out what's holding them back.
2: Cool. And like mostly service-based businesses or? I would say probably mostly, yeah, mostly service-based businesses
1: are, are in it right now. Probably work well for it. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Well, I love that you've created that and that you're sharing this wisdom that is so sorely needed with more people and just stepping into your own zone of genius to an even larger degree. And we're so grateful to have your have your guidance and support mm. over the years holy moly I was just thinking about it today and I think we've almost this is gonna sound super cliche <laughs> we've almost 10 x from where <laughs> we started when we started working together
2: that's so cool yeah,
0: um that also is
2: awesome Like, I probably wouldn't have a job if you weren't part of, like, Shanti's (laughs) team, right? And like you said, like, so just coming back to your mission of, like, creating these, like, you know, a million jobs for people out there, whether they want to work for themselves or be part of a team, like, definitely, we have three full-time people. And I'm sure that if you hadn't been coaxing Chantel into it, she would have just been trying to write everything all by herself for every single person who came to her tomorrow, today, yesterday, actually, I'll have that done for you or something. Yep. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm grateful too to you. It's like, it's already happening and you probably, I bet, I mean, a million is a lot of people, but I bet you're a lot closer to that goal than you even realize because of like, say, people who did go and work for Tarzan and now are working somewhere else, but are taking like what they learned and creating like more roles for people. So, yeah, thank you. That's important work. And I, yeah, I personally appreciate it for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: it's it's been an absolute
1: pleasure. I absolutely love doing it. And, you know, the skill study program has been so great to run. I've got to meet so many fantastic, you know, business owners, including someone who, He teaches piano uh, to adults as a mindfulness practice, but also it's, he's moved it into like part of a business coaching program and it's this beautiful amalgamation of music and business that, that he's been building and I'm super excited to see where it goes, but lots of fun people end up in the program. So it's, Mm. uh, it's always, it's always great, but Last four years with Shanti, it's been amazing. I've loved every moment of, you know, being a part of it and helping convince you to <laughs> to expand and hire when you needed to. And yeah, so happy that you found Dawn and um, yeah, couldn't be couldn't be happier about it. And thanks so much for having me today. It's been great.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Okay, where else can people learn more? Where can they find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: You can find me online, anyoldtask.ca.com also works. And uh, on Instagram and Facebook as Any old Task. Love it.
2: Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just one more like plug for how awesome sandra is uh, and actually just wanted to shout out laura so we get to work with the people that you train and um they've all been amazing and laura is like one of my favorite people in the world so it's really like just just to you know go further like really amazing to be i guess like we get to be part of your team too at the same time and it's like really special so yeah thank you yeah. Thank you. I, Laura
1: is, I absolutely adore Laura. I I collect really great Laura's. I have a lot of Laura's in my life and they're all amazing, but yeah, Laura, like she's, I I'm so thankful for her every single day. She's just the, the biggest blessing for my business. Love her so much.
2: Yeah, Yeah, shout out to Laura. We love you, Laura. Yeah, we're going to get busier so we can work with you more. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, yeah, thanks so much for meeting with us. It's nice to like actually get to spend a little bit of time talking about like your business um, instead of just having you help shape ours. So really, really special. And I would love to close on a question that we should have maybe opened with that might sound a little bit funny and woo now, but do you know your start? sign do you know your rising do you know your moon
1: <laughs> I don't know my rising or moon I know I am Capricorn okay. um that's about that's about it um I, I don't I've never known my rising or moon I've never I've never found that out actually yeah I know my disc profile but <laughs>
2: oh yeah what, what is your disc
1: I am a high sc mid d
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. So
1: high attention to detail, high like wanting to do things right, high like logical, all that stuff and mm-hmm. also I'm not going to step on your toes, but I will kick you in the butt when you need to. 100%.
2: (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Have experienced. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thanks for, uh, yeah, honoring me with that question. I was just like, but I want to know. Now I want to (laughs) know. Yeah. Hey, well, we can make that happen. Exactly. I'm like, I could see the wheels turning already.
0: Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And we'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm. See you next time. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Whoa, look
2: at
0: you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business it would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe rate leave us a review on your favorite podcast player your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on so please if you're feeling generous take two minutes to share the love and if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, Sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.